morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. We received a different bulletin today. I want I just want to make sure everyone's got a bulletin, all right? So kind of wave that, hold it up here, because we're gonna we're gonna take a look at this uh, bulletin. It's got a crazy title on the front of it. C cubed, C to the third power, C3 collaborating, it says, for a culture of connection. And many of you are saying, what in the world is that? Collaborating for a culture of connection. If you turn the page, all right, turn the page over, and on the right side it says collaborating for a culture of connection. And there's a short paragraph there stating my desire for the month of February. I'm going to put our study of 1 John on hold for, for the month of February. And I just want to take this time leading up to our annual meeting. That's the, the, the Sunday that, that I share kind of what the Lord's been putting in my heart regarding Gateway Church. But this year, I want to spend the whole month of February doing that. Because God's been stirring in my heart. I want to talk about the family part of our purpose statement. When we say we're a growing family after God's heart, what does that mean? What does that mean? The church of Jesus Christ is called the household of God. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes these words. If I'm delayed... You will know how people ought to conduct ought to conduct themselves, listen, in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. A household. What is that? Well, a household is a family. Peter's basically saying, church, conduct yourselves in the world. As a family, the early church functioned like a close-knit family. Luke, the author of the Acts of the Apostle, wrote this description of the early church. What did he say about the early church? Acts 2.42, they, the church, the household of God, devoted themselves the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, that's what families do, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I mean, right there, those are components of a healthy family. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, like a family, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who, has, who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, kind of like what we're doing today. We're gathering together as a larger gathering. This isn't the temple courts, but the principle is similar. Then, after that, they broke bread in their homes. And it wasn't just individual families breaking bread on their own as their own family. 
in the early church, they did that together. It was like after the service, they said, let's not just go home. Let's spend time together in each other's homes, breaking bread together, fellowshipping together. And many times those, those gatherings would end in prayer. Not just end in prayer, but that would be the atmosphere where they fellowship, opened up the word, taught one another with glad and sincere hearts, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were God's household, his family. So this family description of Gateway Church has to be more than just a slogan that Pastor Paul says every week. I mean, really. It, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. We can't be a family in name only. My desire is that we would continue to grow as a family. And I stated here four, in four ways. There's four blanks, all right? And during this message, I'm going to fill those in. I'm going to share with you what those are. There's four specific ways that we can grow as a spiritual family. The Lord put this on my heart a couple months ago. I shared this with our staff. We had a, a planning day in December. I said, here's what, here's what I'm sensing in my heart. So I had this framework for the series, but I didn't have a name, a title. I didn't have a name for it. I'm not always real great at titles, all right? I felt like, well, man, I got I to gotta have a title for this series. What is it? So I asked if, if, uh, if they would help me. It was last week or the week before that, before we, we ended, I, I shared, can you help me with, with a title? I shared this outline, and then we talked about it. We, we were working. We were, we were dialoguing in, in, in conversation. And then Pastor Joel gets up and leaves the conference room. It's like he's gone. I'm going, what? What's going on here? And then he comes back, and he rolls in the whiteboard, all right, in the conference room. Rolls in this whiteboard and he begins to write the outline that I had on the whiteboard. And as he's doing that, we're, we're talking about what it means to be a family. And we started, he started to write down some of the ideas that we were sharing. And then three words kind of popped out. It was almost like they had these flashing lights on these three words. And he circled them. Collaborating, culture, connection. Collaborating, culture, connection. And then it was like Kirsten Tucky, our children's director, it was almost like she almost like jumps out of her chair. She says, C3. Where is Kirsten? Where? She's in kids' ministry. I, she said she was going to be here. She's working hard today. C3, and I, I thought about it for a while. It was like, I like that. That's what we're doing here. 
collaborating. Simply means working together, right? I guess you could call collaborating, doing community work on a whiteboard. That's really one of the best ways that we can collaborate is to, when we're working on a problem or we got some ideas, you know, get a whiteboard and start to, to share ideas that way. Culture. Now, I don't have a, you know, a Webster's Dictionary for culture. This is just something that I wrote down. When I think of culture, it's an environment that is created by a group of people who value the same kinds of things. Culture. What do we value? Family is in the DNA of Gateway Church. When you think of Gateway, I think many of us, most of us, think of the word family. Connection. Collaborating, culture, connection. There's a longing in each human heart to belong. You have that longing. Everyone does. We long to belong. God said when he created Adam, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. In isolation. <laughs> That's not good for man. I will make another for him, for them. He created woman from the rib of Adam. Man is created in the image of God, and God is in a fiery communion of love with himself, isn't he? The communion or family of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God has invited us in to that family. And as his creation... Because he is in communion, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's created us in that very image that there's a longing in every human heart to what? To belong. I long for that. You long for that. So that's what we're seeking to do. And Kirsten, she's, she's here now. All right. She comes up with this idea, idea, C3. I like it a lot. I want us to do that, this. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next few Sundays. I'm excited. I'm talking to everyone that that's listening, all right? I sat down with a friend last week. And while I'm sharing about C3, he stands up, walks over to his own whiteboard, and draws circles, all right? They were circles of the various ministries of Gateway Church. And I'm talking to him about creating a culture of connection. So he's 
circles children ministry and youth ministry and hospitality and oikos. By the way, Steve, I see Stacy's mom, and my, my, my wife, Deanna, said, I think Stacy had a baby. And she had a baby girl, right? When was that? Yesterday at 3.30. Amen. All right. And is there a name yet? Harper? Harper Nicole. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, that's so neat. Stacy um, ministers here at the church, and so we'll continue to pray for them. So Oikos, that's the coffee ministry, and, and Stacy is, is the one who leads that. And then we have other ministries, men and women's ministries and empty nesters and, and all these ministries that we had. He said there's like two groups of people there. There's like identifiers and connectors. I'm thinking, wow, wait a second, let me think about this. Trying to create this culture, collaborating together, because we want to see people get connected, because we long to belong. Identifiers are those people who are very observant and know who is and who isn't connected in the body of Christ. But they're not necessarily the ones who do the connecting. Some people aren't wired that way. Might be more introverted. Guess what I am? I'm a connector, all right? I love to see people get connected in relationships. I love when I hear about iron sharpens iron and when people pray for one another. Discipleship happens best in community, in relationships, not in isolation. So there's people who are identifiers, but then there's also people who are connectors. Now imagine if you had in each ministry, all right? This is just green lighting, all right? It's just me as a pastor kind of getting my whiteboard up on, you know, the platform here. And it's just simple. I think in simple ways. And I'm thinking, yeah, I... I like this. Identifiers and connectors for the purpose of saying, who in the body here? And some people just like to come on Sunday and, and just kind of be here. And guess what? We're not going to be like overbearing, all right? I promise. It's like, wow, so-and-so is not connected. You know, 15 emails, four phone calls. 25 texts. We're not going to do that, all right? It's just an idea, a thought. What would happen if we, if, we, if we found people in ministries who were identifiers and just being observant, saying, you know, I think this person needs to get connected here. And that observer or identifier would would talk to a connector who's got that kind of personality, like, you know, some of you guys. Think of Terry. Now, Terry, he's up here leading. Guess what Terry is? He's an introvert, right? No, Terry's a connector, right? 
what would you happen in, in men's ministry? And Terry's he's he's taking some leadership roles in men in men's ministry, and and as a connector, he he began to say, let's find out who are the identifiers in the men's ministry and who are the connectors. And then you you take the identifiers and they're saying, hey, Joe Johnson, he needs he needs someone to come alongside him. And Terry finds a connector and and. That person makes that connection, gets their arms around people, because that's what families do. Imagine if that were to take place. Imagine if we were to become more intentional about getting people relationally connected like a healthy family I believe the results would be absolutely amazing. You can't grow in discipleship in isolation from other believers. The body of Christ works best in a family environment because the church of Jesus Christ is what? The household of God. This series is not about adding new ministries in introducing and starting new initiatives. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about being a family and going after the ones who need to be connected because we all have a longing to belong. I'm learning something else, that great intentions don't connect people. identifiers and connectors working together in the body of Christ connect people. I mean, that even happens without us identifying these categories, right? But I like to see it happen in a greater way. And that's what the series in the month of February is all about. If you open up the bulletin, the the program, four areas that, that I believe the Lord wants us to grow in as a spiritual family. First one is, and you, you have a pen or a pencil, you can just write the word. First is loves wholeheartedly. Loves wholeheartedly. In the scripture, you can put it in parentheses, is 1 John. 1 John, the, the whole book of 1 John talks about loving each other. Secondly, God's called us to be a family who speaks truthfully. And we're going to look in the book of Proverbs next week and talk about what that looks like. That's hard. It's not always easy in our relationships to be truthful and honest. But we need that, right? Always in love. Thirdly, cares compassionately. Jesus, we're going to look at his example of how, of how he cared for people. Mark chapter 2, verse 40. The leper and how he reached out and he touched the leper. He got his hand, his hands on this guy's leprosy. That's what it means to compassionately care for, for somebody. You enter into their world. And fourthly, encourages liberally. 
We can be liberals, all right? You know, after all, you know, it's like, let's be liberal in our encouragement. Hebrews 10, 25. And it all starts and ends with love, though, doesn't it? Greatest of these is love. My brother has a statement that he tells me often. I talk to my brother probably every day, at some point, a text or something. There's a there's communication that goes on between my brother and I. And uh, he'll come up with these little one-liners, and sometimes they work. Most of the time, they don't. <laughs> it's like, it's just better if we just don't say anything. But he often tells me, Paul, do you want to be right or do you want a relationship? And that's one that I hang on to. It's like, that's good. Paul, do you want to be right? Or do you want to have a relationship? You don't always have to be right when love is what drives you. Because the goal in any relationship is doing the loving thing. It's not always easy. But that's what the Lord's called us to. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8, Paul's description of love. Right in the middle of a church that was in conflict, disagreements about how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It was a church in conflict. Right in the middle of the conflict, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13. And he wasn't thinking of a wedding at this time. I was thinking about a church that needed to hear about love. And so he describes love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hope, hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. On the outline, I said loves wholeheartedly, but I'm going to change that word, all right? You can even cross that word out. I'm calling an audible. It's more than just loving one another from the heart, okay? It's loving each other unconditionally. Can you imagine if you were involved in a church, in a relationship, in, in a body of Christ where we have differences and disagreements, but we're committed to love one another? How? From the heart, but unconditionally. That's something that we need to grow in. Loving unconditionally is hard in every family. Takes commitment to love when there's difficulties and hardships and disagreements between us. 
But we have to do all things in love. And like I said earlier, if you go to 1 John, and here's what I, I want to challenge you with. I want you to read 1 John from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5. The whole book. And you'll notice that over 50 times the word love is mentioned. And you circle the word love. 1 John 4, 7 says these words. And I close with this scripture, and it'll lead us right to this table. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? Well, that's the ultimate expression of love, isn't it? Giving one's life for Another, it was the kind of love where Jesus took all of our sins. The word right here says, God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? It means all of my sin. Jesus took those sins. And on the cross, he experienced all of the wrath of God that I deserve because of my sin. It's an amazing thought. He was the atoning sacrifice for my sin. Every once in a while, I, I have some of these conversations with, with Paul Hansen. And he, he's the one that, I, I think I knew this, but you know, um, it was like he and I were talking about what Jesus did on the cross. And we started talking about the wrath of God and how Jesus Christ, how that works, it's a mystery. But all the wrath of God for all sin he experienced there so that I would never have to. Isn't that amazing? All of God's wrath. I think I would die for my wife. That's what we're talking about. Die for my kids. But I wouldn't die for someone who hated me. I mean, who despised me, who swears at me and spits on me. I wouldn't die for somebody like that. But Jesus did. And in my sin, I hated him. But he took all my wrath, all the wrath of God for me.
Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I mean, if he did that for the world, well, then I can love and we can love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. We're going to take some time, prepare our hearts for communion today. It's the first Sunday of the month. We like to start our month just coming back to the essence of who we are as Christians. To take that bread and eat of the bread, to take that cup and drink of the cup, understanding that as we do, we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that he died for my sin, he took my sin. And if you're one of his children, you are invited to come and to participate. Maybe today you're saying, well, I don't even understand what this is all about. When, when we pass out the, the bread, it's okay that you just pass. It's all right. If there's something going on inside your heart, you can pass. The Lord says it's very clear that we need to make sure our heart is right before the, before the Lord. Maybe today would be the day for your salvation where you would cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. You died for me. And so as, as we just receive, I'm gonna ask that we'd spend a few moments in prayer. I'm gonna ask the team, the ushers to come forward. Let's pray. Lord, we quiet our hearts now. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the body of Christ, which is the household of God, the family of God. Lord, we ask that we would come today with clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. Lord Jesus, you are the greatest example of love and we want to mirror your heart. Thank you for your body, Jesus that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was, your body was, was whipped and the thorn of crowns were jammed down upon your brow and your blood flowed freely. Thank you for such amazing love. By your spirit today, we ask that we would, we would be like you. 
So with humility, thankfulness, we participate in your table, the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we partake of this bread today, symbolizing your broken body. Amen.
the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Lord, we thank you. We will continue to to participate in this remembrance of you until you come again. We long for that day. We live our lives with our eyes firmly fixed on you and your word because you will return again. You promised in your word that you will. And so, Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We drink in remembrance of you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Please stand with me. We're going to close with a, a song focuses in on the blood of Christ.
and I believe the Lord is going to put that, that chorus in your heart all week long, and you're going to sing that in praise and thanksgiving to him. Folks, in closing, I, I will be making an announcement. Please give me your attention, if you will. This is rather a rather hard announcement that I'm about to make. I'm here to announce that Pastor Colin has sent his resignation letter to the board, elders, and pastoral staff of Gateway Church. The leadership has received his resignation and want to announce to the body that Colin's last day of ministry here at Gateway Church is February 29th of this month. Our desire is that Colin will continue to serve and follow God in his call to ministry, we want to commit to pray for him, for him, for God's leading in his life now and in the future. Pastor Colin is a good and godly man. We know that. He's a good and godly man. He's a good and godly husband, a model as a husband, and a model as a father. We just want to say that we love Colin, Susan, and all their boys. We want to say thank you for their years of dedicated ministry here as part of this family. Our prayer is that we would shower them with your love and your prayers and bless them and their family. So thank you for receiving this announcement. I ask that you would continue to pray. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.